The following podcast contains Santa spoilers. You'll know it is time to skip ahead when you hear this sound. Warning! All right, start the show. Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, sponsored by Buddy's Sour Chili and Hot Guacamole Dip, the perfect combination to leave your sinuses as clear as a brisk winter morning in the middle of summer. We're counting down the Christmas in July, and today's stop is at the Bar Nun Ranch to visit Nickelodeon's Hey Dude. So start your horse and come along back to 1990 for a merely Christmas-adjacent, very special episode called Ride She Said. Hey Dude. It's a little wild and a little strange When you make your home out on the range I am hiding behind a fence with a foam cooler filled with homemade snowballs, Mike Westfall. And joining me is a man who's a little wild and a little strange. Please welcome Justin O'Connor. Hey, Justin. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for volunteering for this one. Yeah, um, I, uh really stepped in it (laughs) i don't think either of us knew what we were in for when i put it on my list no no um i don't know about like i don't know about you but hey dude occupies a parallel spot in my brain with salute your shorts because like didn't they premiere it around the same time i think they did hey dude came first i think in 1989 but i mean it could be a matter of months separating them but but one went on to be arguably one of Nickelodeon's most iconic early 90s TV shows. And Hey Dude was something you begrudgingly watched on Saturday so you didn't have to go outside and play. <laughs> yeah, that yep, that's pretty much my relationship with Hey Dude. So it is the most Disney Channel of all the early 90s Nickelodeon shows to me. <laughs> that's a very good uh definition of it well Just done bland like not not interesting there's never any like conflict or stakes to any of it nothing's really memorable um the characters have no have no have no real sense of relatability they it all just exists yeah pretty much like i i was not super invested in it at all uh, but I remember the basics. The episode I remember best is this one where Buddy tries to hypnotize Jake and he keeps commanding him to dump a bowl of cereal over your head. And Jake repeats, <laughs> dump a bowl of cereal over your head. And he pours it on Buddy. Uh, they're right. The who can prevent forest fires. You. Yeah. Yes. The only episode that stands out to me and. Because probably in season one, the only character with any sort of 
interest to him was Ted because he was just like a raging asshole, right? That was right. Like, yep. But the episode where he's like, yeah, whatever. I can go a whole week without using products developed by Native Americans. And by the end of the episode, he's like sobbing naked in the desert or something, right? <laughs> yep. He learned a lesson that day. Yes. And, and then they, they replaced him with like the less charismatic Pinsky in season two, apparently. Yeah. Jake, the less charismatic Pinsky. Yeah. But I like his outfit, which we'll, we'll get to it later. But he, he has the, the California surfer outfit. To a T. Sure like, that's how I wanted to dress when I was 10 years old in 1990. But, yeah, 100%. Like, I have a yeah. catalog. Sure. Like, I just, I tried and looked like a complete dork lord. Oh, yeah. Uh, up Absolutely. until I was like 14. Yep. Uh, so I liked it okay. I personally cannot think about Hey Dude without thinking about one friend of mine who really liked Hey Dude. And one summer, he went on vacation to Nickelodeon Studios and when he got back, he proceeded to tell me a very long story about meeting and hanging out over the course of two days with the cast of Hey Dude, a show that was very obviously not filmed at Nickelodeon Studios. <laughs> and that's the moment when I like quietly realized to myself, oh, you're a liar. Oh, <laughs> I bet he doesn't really have an uncle who works for Nintendo either because he was that kind of liar. All the pieces have fallen into place. Did you have a liar friend? Um, I was the liar friend. Oh, no. I, I think we all were kind of the liar friends. <laughs> yeah, too. yeah. My, what was your big lie? Your big childhood lie? Because oh, I, I, I tried to pass off like some very rare Weird Al Yankovic songs as my own. Oh, boy. Plagiarism. Yeah, yep. that was a big one. Um, <laughs> my big lie was that I want to Sega Saturn um, out of McDonald's Monopoly. Oh, nice. Nobody could ever come over my house to play it, though. Because no. my mom wouldn't let them. Yeah, but I wonder if kids still make up the uncle at Nintendo or something similar, though. I feel like that is something that everyone in our generation had or was like a friend who told that exact fib. And there was always a new Mario game attached to it. Always a new Mario Some game. Some weird premise, like they're all babies or something. But then that one happened. <laughs> and then it happened. Well, maybe they do have uncles at Nintendo. Maybe Ooh. all of them have the same uncle. Huh. It's weird that I had like 40 friends with the last name Miyamoto. Hmm. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Oh, putting the pieces together. All right. Should ask my kids if they have any, if any of their friends have an uncle at Nintendo. That's how I'll weed out the liars. Yeah. I mean, are they back in school? Like, do they do that? Or? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, not hell yeah, but hell yeah. For the <laughs> sake of you being able to ask them if any of their friends are pathological. <laughs> Hey, do you have any scumbag friends? Not even one. Oh, wow. Wow. Kids are good. You, you just don't know it yet. They're still young. There's still time for them to grow and devolve. I, I, I know, a dude. Um, and there's uh, a building in downtown Boston called the Custom House Tower. And it was built in like the late 1800s. And it was like a skyscraper for its time. But it, in a way that buildings in the 1800s were skyscrapers, you know, so like. Right five stories or whatever. <laughs> yep. Um, and he posted on Facebook about a year ago um, about how every time he's in downtown Boston, he looks up at the custom house tower and thinks back to his childhood when his dad told him that like he helped to build that tower. And so he <laughs> affectionately refers to it to this day as dad's tower. And none of us had the heart to be like, your dad's lying to you, dude. Oh, you know, he still believes it? Yeah, he's an adult. Oh, that's... 
I also had a friend who believed that his dog was sent to a farm upstate until well until his mid twenties. Oh no. And then when he asked his dad about it, like in front of us, his dad was like, yeah, your dad, your dog was sent to the farm. All right. The big farm in the sky. And uh, that's how we learned. Wow. <laughs> so you could be a liar parrot. I mean, if you really wanted to, I mean, everybody is for a little bit, but so, Hey dude, filmed not at Nickelodeon studios, but in Tucson, Arizona, was Nickelodeon's second ever original live action series that wasn't a game show, which is a lot of adjectives, but that's neat. Uh, this kind of sort of Christmas episode called Ride, She Said, which it sounds like it's supposed to be a reference to something else, but I could not figure it out. Yeah, it's way there. It probably is, but there's no need for the writers to have tried to be that clever, to be no. honest. Nope. Like what? Why? Why would you? Why would you waste the effort? No idea. Masquerading the title of a Hey Dude episode right. as some obscure pop culture reference for who? Who? Who's it for? Hey, hey, in the writers' room for Hey Dude, we just try to make each other laugh. You know. That's right. We just sit around a table, bounce ideas off one another, and hey, once once we're all laughing, we know we fit cold. <laughs> so this episode first aired September fourteenth, nineteen ninety making it almost as far away from July as it is from the Christmas season. So good. Nothing about it makes sense. Okay. Nope, absolutely not. But it's apparently one of their better rated episodes. I found this one list by a website called Hey Dude Reviewed, which ranked all 65 episodes. And this one came in at number three, which shocked me. How awesome do you think the person responsible for Hey Dude Reviewed felt when they realized when they stumbled upon the rhyme for the domain name. Oh, that was the- Hey Dude Recaps, uh, Hey Dude Episodes, uh, the Hey Dude Reviewed. He was just skipping for the rest of the day. Texting all his friends. I finally cracked it. You know, <laughs> yeah, this was number three. Before this podcast, if you were prompted to think of three episodes of Hey Dude, would this one even make your cut? Would you be able to think of three episodes of Hey Dude? Probably not. No. Just uh, that hypnotist one. Between the two of us, we can collectively remember exactly two episodes of Exactly hey Dude. two and episodes. Then, and then this, this is the third. third. So yeah. yeah. So, all yeah. right. Number three. There we go. Yeah. No. Uh, his number two was the episode Date Night, where Brad and Ted go on a date. Oh, that classic episode. Oh, That's yeah. right. Oh, finally, finally, they they bring to a culmination that will they won't they Ted Brad relationship drama that we were all chomping at the bit to see. Indeed. Uh, And number one was an episode called Melody's Brother, who has a drinking problem. Oh, was that their Hanukkah episode? Uh, No, they don't. They didn't have one. (laughs) Their Hanukkah adjacent episode. There you go. Possibly. This counts as that, too. This episode also falls into the very special episode category. We're about to meet a boy in a wheelchair at a neighboring ranch, but let's not put the chair before the horse. We open with the show's token rich girl, Brad, getting a horse in the mail from her parents. You know, how parents are always sending surprise horses to their kids. And the it's the flimsiest pretense to get to, like, the, the shoehorned Christmas adjacent B-plot because the letter is really like the the linchpin to the whole thing. Oh, that's right. It should just, hey, consider this horse um, an early Christmas gift in, in July, I, I suppose. It's from my parents. Dear Bradley, her name's Charisma, and we couldn't resist. Think of it as an early Christmas present. Oh! 
And that sets off the light bulb in Melody's head. Uh, hey, we should have a big fun party for Christmas. And just nobody's on board. <laughs> no, it takes it takes the whole episode just to get people to be in on this party thing. Uh, but let's back up a bit. Let's uh, talk about the cast here real quick as, as we meet them. So Brad is one of the ranch's riding instructors. She's played by Kelly Brown, who has only one other credit on IMDb. A 1992 movie called Danger Zone 4, Mad Girls, Bad Girls. I've never wanted to see a movie I just heard about more in my entire life. <laughs> you said Danger Zone 4, and then it just got better somehow. <laughs> wow. Uh, it is it is on the Internet Archive if you choose to watch it. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Sure, why not? Uh, don't let the kids watch it. Uh, but Kelly Brown currently owns a women's clothing store in Long Island. So if you really want to see what she's been doing, that's in the show notes, too. Uh, but even before she gets her horse, this episode actually opens with her complimenting her roommate, Melody, uh, on her cute new blue cowgirl hat. And Melody is played by future dodgeball champion Christine Taylor. Great hat, cowgirl. Isn't it? I guess it's just a little too nice to wear around here, though. Would it be appropriate to discuss? Well, I mean, I, I know her best from Arrested Development, but I don't think it's the time or place to be making alopecia jokes. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> Do you remember the first thing you saw her in after Hey Dude and went, oh, she's from Hey Dude? Um, It would probably have to have been Dodgeball was what, 2004? Uh, I think so. Yeah, Arrested Development was 2004 as well, right? Okay. So one of the two, um, probably Dodgeball. Probably. Did you uh, Did you see the Brady Bunch movie? I did see the shoes in that. She was Marsha. Huh. Learning a thing or two today. Thank you. No, I had no idea. I literally had no idea. So that was it for me between that. And she was in this movie called Showdown, which was a blatant ripoff of the Karate Kid starring Billy Blanks, the Taibo guy in the Mr. Miyagi role. And Christine Taylor is the karate bully's girlfriend who falls for the new kid. And it's so bad. But every time it would come on HBO, I was like, well, I guess I'm watching this. Gotta be, you're locked in, right? Yeah. No, um, I don't know how that like piece of filth escaped me. But again, I'm creating an internal cue based on these factoids you're throwing out of me. Perfect. Um, it's, already, it's already Danger Zone 4 and now Showdown. Make a whole playlist of Hey Dude related films. Hey, due to Jason films. Yes, there we go. The HDCU. <laughs> I like it. Oh, we got to do it now. Too bad no one else has like any other credits. We'll get to them. So Melody's got a new hat, trying it on in the mirror by Brad's dresser. I know it's Brad's dresser because there's a framed photo of Brad on it because she's the kind of person who has a framed picture of herself. Uh, that's called foreshadowing, Michael. Oh, that's right. It's it's like the beginning of Die Hard when um, Holly Gennaro has the picture on her desk and she puts it down. And then later, like, that's really. <laughs> yeah. Yep. See, this is a Christmas episode. Foreshadowing. A lot of thought went into this plot. Yeah. Put a pin on that for now. Um, she's like immediately mean about the horse, too, by the way. Right. She is. The next time we see her, she's walking around. The horse is named Charisma. And asking, kind of talking baby talk to the horse, do you like it out here in the West? And a voice behind the stable fence replies, oh, I do so very much. Do you like it out here in the West? Oh, I do very much. You guys. Everybody's default talking horse voice. Is right. Which instead of Mr. Ed is Scooby-Doo for some reason. 
we've heard the Mr. Ed voice, and yet we all still go to Scooby-Doo. Ooh, we all just talk like this when we're being any, 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 any animal. You kind of give it a southern dopey accent if it's a bear, but <laughs> yes. same basic, same basic voice for all it's of them. It's all there. Uh, and up from behind the fence pops our supporting cast. We have Jake, Danny, and Buddy. The 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 horse voice, by the way, um, when I was watching it, like the reveal that it was actually the 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 three jokesters. Um, it was very much a goosebumps chapter transition when like the kid, jumps, <laughs> yeah. you know, like an early, <laughs> right. early chapter of a goosebumps novel where, oh, no. And then a big spooky ghost jumped out. And then the right. next page is like, oh, ha ha. Where why do you still have that Halloween mask? My horse is talking. And then end of chapter. Oh, my horse isn't actually talking. It's just these three. Oh, you. <laughs> you got me again. Yeah. So let's meet these actors. We have Jake, the nephew of ranch owner, Mr. Ernst. He's played by Jonathan Galkin. She is so beautiful. I can't believe she's mine. I know exactly what you mean. When I got my very first snare drum, it just seemed too pretty to play. Whose only other credit on IMDb is a show called Way Cool, which I completely forgot about until I looked up Jake from Hey Dude. Do you have any idea about Way Cool? Um, No, I kind of in my head now that you've put it there kind of remember like a like a like a template of the theme song would have been like i feel like they just repeated way cool a bunch yeah that's where kind of as soon as i saw that it came flooding back to me because this was it was a sketch comedy show for kids it was produced by scholastic so it had more of a corny after school vibe it was on early saturday mornings i think 7 or seven thirty. i only remember it because it was the last show on before whatever I really wanted to watch came on. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And also because it had a weekly music video by the rap group Partners in Crime, best known for the song T-U-R-T-L-E Power. Oh, so heavy hitters um, in the rap game is what... Absolutely. Is what yeah, just uh, real ones. So Jonathan Galkin was on that before Hey Dude. After Hey Dude, he co-founded an electronic music label called DFA Records, and that's Jake. Is he supposed to be, like, a cool guy or a doofus? Both, I think. Like, he reminds me of the 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 frat bro with feelings who picks up an acoustic guitar at a party. Everybody <laughs> yes! Oh, goes, my goodness! Oh, God, here we go. Yeah. Oh, now that I think about it, I can think of that guy that I went to college with who dressed exactly like Jake does, except he had a bucket hat. He's he's like he's like a less interesting Andy from Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> yes, he is. Like a loof cool guy who kind of like says idioms but gets them wrong yeah there's a few of those coming up oh there's a lot of stuff coming up i play the drums and have no friends uh jake's cousin buddy the youngest member of the main cast is josh tigel you gonna take her for your first ride i'm thinking about it who did this show and nothing else as of 2016 he was working in a private investigator's office so he seemed to have had a normal rest of his childhood and adulthood so good on you buddy well, I mean, you go out on a high note, right? Like That's it. Yep. He had the right idea. It's like George Bush's memoirs from The Simpsons after <laughs> yep. after after rapping on Hey Dude, I realized there was nowhere else I could go with my acting career. That's it. That's it. And then we have Danny played by Joe Torres. Good, good, good. You're all here. Oh, wait, I think I'm here. Good girl. 
Oh, yeah, I'm here. What's up, Mel? Who quit acting after this show and basically disappeared. Like, if you Google what happened to Danny from Hey Dude, there are several theories. The least believable one being he's a car salesman in New Jersey about 10 miles from where I grew up. No way do I believe that one. Wait, that's the least believable one? That's the least believable one. That's the most believable one. No, but there's a photo of the car salesman, and it's not the same guy. Like, it's just another guy with a dark complexion, and he's smiling, and his name is also Joe Torres, but it's not this Joe Torres. Oh, I thought his name was Danny from Hey Dude. Yeah. (laughs) And that would have been the most believable one. That's it. No, the most believable theory is that he still lives in Tucson and is a regular at a local pool hall there. That... (laughs) That is the most believable one. You yeah, know? right. No reason for him to move to New Jersey of all places after doing this one show in his hometown. Yeah, local boy makes it big. Like right. he's got a got a kind of a quiz kid Donnie from from Magnolia vibe going on at the pool. Pretty hall. much. Yeah, just just hustling people at the pool hall. <laughs> Reruns of Hey Dude apparently like like sporadically pop up on the the thirteen inch corner TV at the bar. <laughs> Yep. I used to be somebody. I was Danny from Hey Dude. (laughs) A newcomer at the bar is like kind of aghast by his behavior, but the bartender's like, it's it's fine. We (laughs) let him let him get it out of the system. Yep. Just and of course some people think he's dead. We'll never know. So the boys are hoping to see Brad take her new horse for a ride, but she can't believe the horse is actually hers. And Jake compares that to being awestruck over his first snare drum, which I only mentioned because snare drum was the trigger word that in that hypnosis episode that made him howl like a wolf. And that doesn't happen here. So I guess that's over. Look, I'm sorry about what I did. It was just so funny. I couldn't resist. It's okay, Snare drum. But so he tries to like empathize and relate to Brad, right? He's like, yes. oh, 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 you're, that's a nice horse. Well, yeah. You know, like when I got my snare drum, I felt the same way. And so I completely understand like why you're in love with it. And she just immediately goes, shut up, idiot. Like, no, it's not the same. You're yeah, wrong. You're stupid. You're a stupid idiot. Here's how wrong you are. I'm going to get on my horse and ride her around slowly. Until Melody arrives, tells the boys, oh, good, you're all here. And Danny pats himself down and says, I think I'm all here because it's 1990 and we're clearly in full house levels of humor here. Lots of that. It's like they needed to put a joke in every 30 seconds to try, try and maintain some interest. Yeah, that's what a lot of this dialogue feels like. And there's a lot of like, oh, you guys. Oh, <laughs> yep, just a lot of sighing. None of the characters seem to genuinely like one another. Um, nope, it's just a bunch of people who work together and hate yeah. every minute of it. Yeah, they, 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 their only commonality is that they, they, they all like seemingly enjoy ranch life, but not one another's company. Nope. And so they're all just miserably forced to interact with one another for 22 uncomfortable minutes. <laughs> This outdoor summer camp job would be great if it wasn't for the co-workers. I almost said customers, but wrong, wrong thing. So then what happens? Then these guys really don't want any part of helping Melody plan her Christmas in July party, despite her saying they never get to spend Christmas together. And Buddy adds, or Hanukkah. And then Danny adds, or Geronimo's birthday. And then Melody shoots them both down immediately. And you know, those aren't real things. Don't. Let's we're doing mine. Oh, dear. 
She immediately just goes, yeah, no, um, don't. Nope, we're doing this. Gee, I wonder if that guy quit acting and fell out of touch with everybody because he got tired of all the token Native American lines. Oh, and there's a few zingers coming up. Oh, yeah. Like, yes, representation is important, and this show is better from having a teenage indigenous American character. But Geronimo's birthday. I don't it, I don't know enough about Native American culture to say with any authority if that's a holiday that is recognized and celebrated. But I'm guessing it isn't. I'm guessing it isn't. But I looked it up. It's June 16th. So they absolutely have spent it together. <laughs> Just went unacknowledged. And and I bet Danny tried getting them all to celebrate if 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 it was as important. I don't know if he's joking here. I think he is. If it was like a like a joke, but you know, self-deprecation, like a joke, but rooted in reality. It was a joke for himself. I'm just like, these stupid white people, they think Geronimo's birthday is a holiday. Got him. So he got yeah. me. So, you know, he got there them. you go. <laughs> well, Melody tries to get him excited about Christmas carols and Santa and Jake adds Faye. Because they're in the desert. Uh, and despite groans from Danny, Buddy agrees to be in charge of food for the party. Guess how that turns out. It tur- It's okay. When, when we get there, we get there. Yeah. But I was, I have thoughts. I have thoughts on Buddy's food and how it's received because it doesn't turn out that bad. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be. Yeah, we, we'll get there when I it's talk very, about it. It's very, very a product of its time. Cause yeah, like, yes. If he had made that same dish today. People would be going buck wild. They would, they really would, but, but let's get there. When we get there, Danny gets put in charge of decorating because he's the artistic one, apparently leaving melody to entrust Jake with entertainment. And he volunteers to read the night after Christmas. Jake, I think you mean the night before Christmas, you know, just the night before Christmas and all through the house. Melody, melody, you have so much to learn. That's so eighties. I mean, the night after deals with the environmental impact of having this huge guy and like his reindeer run rampant through your house. And those reindeer are not housebroken. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we all kind of credit Kevin Smith for, for innovating and sort of putting to film the idea of people deconstructing the minutiae of pop culture. But, yes. but here, here we are in 1990 on Hey Dude. And Jake's doing an extended riff on the aftermath of uh, Santa and his reindeer. And, right. Um, you know, if he's just workshopping for his type five at the Chuckle Hut, I'm buying tickets. <laughs> I think that's exactly what he's doing. But but reindeer don't go into houses. Idiot. Well, in Jingle all the way they do. But Oh, that's right. Yeah. Recently, I've seen kids, mine included, they would leave reindeer food or a carrot outside in front of the house on the lawn or somewhere. But. No, they're not coming inside my house and peeing everywhere. I don't know where you're getting that from, Jake. Warning! Hi. Skip to 28 minutes and 58 seconds to avoid spoilers. Okay, later. Have I ever told you the story about how I found out Santa wasn't real? No. It's it's really quick because um, you leave cookies and milk for Santa, right? And right. I don't know if you do this with your kids, but you leave a snack for the reindeer, like carrot sticks or whatever, yeah. right? Right. Um. I left carrot sticks one year and cookies and milk, the usual, whatever. Um, and it was super snowy. And then a few weeks later when the snow melted, I just found the carrot sticks like in my front lawn. Oh no. And, and I asked my mom, I was like, why didn't, why didn't Santa feed the carrot sticks to the reindeer? And my mom like clearly caught off guard, like didn't 
have the mental equity probably because she was tired from working all the time and raising three kids. Sure. And she was just like, look, uh, all right. Um, <laughs> bud, I throw him. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> look, dude, don't say anything to your brother and sister. I just, I just threw them out there. Um, okay. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, so I learned that. Yeah. No, you take a bite out of the carrot. You don't have to eat it. Like I'll just and throw the rest at like the bottom of the trash can. So they don't not that they're looking into the trash, but if they happen to put something in there and say, what's this orange thing? Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, there were there 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 were there were many easier ways she could have uh like dealt with it. Um, but she went with just I don't have time. Just no the front door. But snow covers all the snow covers all pure and clean the snow covers that's all. right friendly reminder for all of us santas out there to cover your tracks well we later cut to brad helping mr ernst load his truck with saddles and other horse supplies and salt lick which he samples to make sure it's actually salt what was his um his it uh, a neighbor indeed is a neighbor with a steed yeah, a friend in need probably owns a steed, is his uh, joke. Brad just looks at him and goes, ugh. <laughs> he's, she's, she's the kiff of the show. He's He looks like the kiff of the show. He does. <laughs> Everyone else is when he's on screen. He's somehow the Zap Brannigan of the show. <laughs> right. That's because Ted was gone. No Ted in this episode, people. You know what they say about the horse business? No, what? Uh... A friend in need... Probably owns a steed. (laughs) (laughs) That was definitely almost funny, Mr. Ernst. But Mr. Ernst is played by David Brisbane. He's still acting. He was on ER for a season, and he's got like a bunch of bit parts. He was apparently a news anchor in Forrest Gump. I've seen him show up on episodes of Home Improvement. It'd always be like, hey, it's Mr. Ernst in regular clothes. What episode of Home Improvement was he in? I don't remember. He was the school principal, one one of the boys' principals. I bet, um, and again, I, I don't know what episode he's in or what the plot of the episode is, but I bet based on the character of Mr. Ernst and his overall appearance that Tim Taylor had little to no connection with him. No, probably not. He seems like a very geeky, not so authoritative principal. I don't know. Yeah, he was probably saying stuff about like feelings and sensitivity, and <laughs> we all know the tool man. Let's wrap, Randy. Can we talk about Mr. Ernst's hat? We sure can. Um, it's the Twinkie hat, right? It is the Twinkie hat. It's just the Twinkie hat. Like, it, did he come into a bunch of money and inherit the ranch? Uh, no, he bought it. He was, it, it's it's a, the City Slickers plot. He's, uh, I think he was an accountant or something in New Jersey, and he bought this ranch to get away from city life. I mean... It's it's a perfect allegorical representation of late stage capitalism. He doesn't know oh, what yeah. he's doing, so he so he hires children to do his work for him. Yep. Right? Yeah. Hey, I don't got to pay him nothing, and uh, they'll be happy just to be around the horses. Sure. Where's what he for all he knows looks like a genuine cowboy hat. It's like a foot tall. It is the Twinkie hat. It looks like a larger. Seamus McFly hat. If it were made of tortilla chips and had um, like a queso rim inside, 
you could you could feast on that hat for days. You could. Just imagine the dorkiest looking cowboy hat you can imagine. And this one is worse. On the dorkiest looking man you could possibly imagine. Uh, yes. <laughs> so Mr. Ernst recruits Brad to help him deliver these saddles and things over to a neighboring ranch called Trot. And there we meet Cindy, who is played by Susan Sindelar. Oh, hi, Bradley. Welcome to Trot. Thank you. Oh, this is great. All oh, the kids will really appreciate this. Only has a handful of credits on IMDb, but I think I found her in the background of a fight scene in Smokey and the Bandit, cheering on a couple of biker guys beating up Jerry Reed. Yeah, just replace the Coors Light from Smokey and the Bandit with Salt Licks, and um, it's basically the same plot. Yeah, and you're there. So TROT is an acronym for Therapeutic Riding of Tucson, which is a real place. Oh, so they filmed on location. I think so. Uh, it Like the credit still says filmed on location on that other ranch, but they probably just decided uh, didn't get around to throwing it in. Oh, and also this place. But it looks, judging from Trot's website today, it looks like the same place. Do they on the website um, still extol the fact that they were featured on Hey Dude in 1990? No, not a word about it. That would be, I would, that would be plastered all over the place if I were in charge of Trot. Which right? I'm not in charge of Trot. I was surprised, but no, no mention of it. They have like a whole history page, like broken down by year. 1990 is just skipped. So I don't know whether they scrubbed it on purpose or they just forgot like I did. Oh, buddy, buddy, based on the way this episode plays out, I am sure they scrubbed it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey, dude was filmed at another actual ranch in Tucson, but they still built the sets so so they could film this away from actual guests just trying to enjoy their vacation. There, there's a Google Maps link if you want to look up photos of what it looks like today. It's abandoned and falling apart, but you can see where it is in proximity to the actual ranch. It is like way far back there. Do you think they get weird, like nostalgia nerds? Oh, I'm sure. Coming to visit specifically like to who and I don't you've known me for a while. Yeah. You know, I'm into this this weirdo stuff. Sure. But I, I cannot imagine the type of nostalgia nerd who would pick the barn on ranch as like the destination vacation. <laughs> No, I don't think so. That's one of those things like you hit on a road trip, like uh, the last blockbuster. The last or... was literally about to be my go to. <laughs> like the last blockbuster. Right. There's some sort of cultural appreciation. You take pictures and everybody goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then on, but yeah, pretty much like the the uh, the old sandlot where they filmed the sandlot. That is just a decrepit alley now. Places like that. Yeah, the Bar Nun Ranch is uh, pretty low on the on the totem pole. But the pictures are out there, so so it's been done. Uh, So but Trot back to Trot. It's a horse ranch for people with disabilities and special needs. And Brad's reactions are not great. Oh, she's horrified. She well, she starts out with, oh, that's so sad, despite looking at a group of very happy people riding or watching horses living their best lives. Right. And then she goes to take a closer look at the pen. And there's a boy sitting on some steps next to her and calls her out for staring. You can look, but don't stare. That's right. Like urban exploration. Take only pictures, leave only footsteps. (laughs) 
So Brad goes on about how the kids got a tough break and she doesn't know if she could handle it. And oh, here comes a staff member with this boy's wheelchair. And the way this kid gives Brad a side eye made me laugh. <laughs> it's it is it is the fuller drinking a Pepsi at the beginning of Bumble. <laughs> That's the ex- <laughs> gotcha. And he's gonna do it again later, and the next time, oh, yeah, better. Yeah. It's just he doubles down on it, dude. Oh, I cried at how hard I laughed at that <laughs> expression. It killed me. I love this kid. Uh, she quickly apologizes and pieces out of there. Please, oh, in terror. She doesn't peace out. She runs away. She runs. Abject horror look on her face. Just, Mr. Ernst, I'm waiting in a truck. Cartoon smoke was left in her wake when she <laughs> just got out of there. Uh, and it'd be one thing to say she was embarrassed, but she later tells Jake she found the place scary, which I thought it looked like the least threatening looking place in the entire show. Yeah, again, everybody was pleasant and having a good time. And she right. immediately opened up to a kid. And she was, hey, yeah, you know, this is pretty rough, huh? You as a child here for some reason, um, I can talk to you because you're. And so this is where we tread lightly, right? Yeah. Um, her whole arc is coming to terms with the fact that there are special needs people in the world, apparently. Yes. Right. So she looks at a kid and she starts talking to him and it's kind of like a, you and me, we, ooh, we don't have to do this. That would be. <laughs> and again, the kid gives the look and she bolts, but yeah, it's, um, it's a lot. Uh, thank you. Thank you for, for picking this. It's your thing. Yeah. yeah. So back at the bar, none, uh, she rented the Jake who's practicing a dr- on a drum set made of rusty pots and pans. And I want to pause quickly to mention his outfit is peak 1990 in this scene. What does the back of his t-shirt say? It says instinct, which is a surfing clothing company. It's the kind of, t- again, it's the kind of t-shirt I wanted to wear all the time as a kid. Like, a, oh, like yeah, a, like a bum equipment or an ocean yes. specific type yep. situation. Yep. Uh, TNC surf design. Oh, buddy, that was a big one. Yep. Uh, for a second, I thought it was a hypercolor shirt, but then I forgot they're outside in Arizona in the summer. They, his T-shirt, and I, I don't know, but maybe you can tell me, or but it wouldn't be out of place, would have been one of the sponsor companies in California games for Nintendo, right? Oh, it might be. Oh, now I got to look it up. We, 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 Good we, pull. We have to know. California Games NES sponsors. No, but it would fit right in. Ocean Pacific was one of those because that was the one I knew. I'm just like, all right, I'm I'm sponsored by Ocean Pacific, baby. Oh, yeah. Ocean Pacific was the big dog. Uh, oh, yeah. Top of the heap, right? Absolutely. Me as an eight-year-old from Massachusetts, uh, clearly <laughs> have a fraction of surfer culture. <laughs> West Coast Californian surfer culture. So Jake's deal is he's from L.A., so that's why he can get away with dressing like this. Yeah, yeah. And he's playing he's playing the drums, by the way, because he was put in charge of entertainment for for, for the Christmas party. Oh, that's right. Oh, see, I thought it was just Jake having a jam session because he's bored. He's got his like bright yellow Walkman on his clip to his shorts. And he thinks Trot is cool, mentioning it's one of the only places where kids can do wheelchairs and a uh, 
wheelies in a wheelchair. Wheelies in a wheelchair, which heck yeah, bro. Yeah. Dude, Jake's woke. That's right. Uh, but Brad reacts to that by kicking over Jake's drum set and calling him insensitive. And now I understand. Brad is the sheltered girl who just got her bubble burst. She did, yeah. She's confronting the real world for the first yeah. time. And ooh, buddy, does she not like it? No. And right after her parents just bought her a brand new horse. But then Jake goes on to tell her, like, he tells her a story about, like, yeah, I had a friend with CP. And when I broke my leg, we had wheel chase, wheelchair races. And oh, boy, did he tear ass in his. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And she's like, she's mad at him for trying to make this relatable to her in some way. How dare you? Yeah. Oh, God, there's a lot of a lot of them. Like, there's a lot of othering going on in the scene. Oh, so much othering. Uh, a lot of those people uh, pops up right here. And it's this is where it gets real uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Uh, but J- to Jake's credit, he does explain the kids at Trot don't want people to relate to their disabilities. They want people to relate to them. So he kind of gets it in the whitest teenager way possible. More so than Brad does. Uh, oh, yeah. Brad, like, rejects the idea. She's like, I don't know. I don't know if I, we can't do that. No. Not yet. No. Uh, and it's here in the middle of Jake's education corner that Melody, Danny, and Buddy pop up from behind the fence and pelt the two with snowballs. Is that a prank? Like, is that a is that a prank that they're playing? I think so. It's the middle of the Arizonian summer, right? Wouldn't that be, like, a refreshing treat? Right. Yeah. No, here is when I remembered. Oh, that's right. These notes are from my podcast. Forgot this was a Christmas episode for a bit. Uh, a friendly reminder just before we cut the commercial. Snowball. Oh, come on. Hang on, partner. Hey, dude, we'll be right back. It's California Games. Six great fun in the sun games for your Nintendo. Roller skating, footbag, BMX racing, surfing, skateboarding. Master all six. California Games for your Nintendo. You're watching Nickelodeon. And now back to Hey Dude. And we come back to find Brad riding her horse charisma back to trot where she finds the same kid from before watching everyone else ride except him. Hi, Bobby. Hi. I wanted you to meet Charisma. She's... Uh, Don't let her hear you say that. You'll hurt her feelings. The kid's name is Bobby, and he is played by Garrett Lewis, who actually had spinal muscular atrophy, so... Do you think the writer... Because Bobby is just like the name you give a kid in a TV show, like a throwaway kid. They just wrote Bobby on a whiteboard and they were like, eh, we'll circle back to it. And then they just never did. Sure. I mean, they're writing the, the writing on the show is very deep and complex. The name of the child is probably like the the last thing on their list of things to do. Oh, yeah. No, they but they found an actual actor kid who, who was in a wheelchair. So his only other credit on IMDb is a 30 second scene in Empty Nest because they needed a happy kid in the hospital, I guess. Last thing I could find about him were a couple of articles about him playing wheelchair soccer. You know, you need character actors. Sure. Here he's Bobby, who loves to watch the horses, but is in no hurry to actually ride one. And we learn that from Cindy, who's back to teach Brad and us 
what cerebral palsy actually is and explains for kids like Bobby who have never walked, riding a horse lets them sense what it feels like to walk. So Brad introduces Bobby to her horse Charisma, and his first reaction is, she smells. They do. Horses do smell. Oh, yeah. He's not wrong. They're awful. You ever been close to a horse? Many. One of my friends had like a like a stable in his backyard. And we were in our we were in our early 20s and um, we got super high one night and we were just like looking at the horses and like feeding them and petting them. And uh, one of my dudes like fed a horse a sugar cube and then went to pet it. And the horse like whinnied at him like menacingly, like get away from me. And his response was to look the horse dead in the eyes and say, I gave you food. (laughs) Horse bit my wife once. Just right in the hand. She was feeding him the horse bitter. Your story's better. (laughs) It's not a good story. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It stuck with me. (laughs) But no, he's not wrong. But also, this kid's been coming to this ranch for a year. And now you mention the horses stink. Uh, Do you think he wanted to be there? Yeah, that's a good question, because this whole time he hasn't ridden. Yeah, he hasn't ridden. And he clearly I think horses smell. And so I would never voluntarily go to a barn as a child. Right. Right. But his parents probably just wanted the summer off. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. Go to the go to the horse. Go to the horse. Yeah. Go ride some horses. They stink. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. But we don't want to deal with you for three months. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Oh, good. Thanks. Thanks, mom and dad. Thanks. As if he doesn't have enough to deal with. So Brad invites Bobby to pet her, the horse, pet the horse. But this is a completely different Brad than we saw five minutes ago running scared from the place. What happened? Um, Jake happened. Jake happened. Yeah. Actually talk sense into someone. That was the transition, like the, the, the 32nd character transformation. It's was the equivalent of an like a white guy turning a chair around and flipping his hat backwards and talking about Xbox and explaining math to an inner city child. And the kid immediately goes, oh, yeah, I get it now. And Brad is off. She she gets it. She's there. She's ready. She's ready. She's ready to do better. That's right, Michael. She um, yes. Don't apologize. Just do better. That's it. And now that she's gotten over whatever was bothering her about Bobby, she needs something new to be a jerk about. It was his legs. That's what was bothering her about Bobby. Oh, (laughs) so she needs something new to be a jerk about Melody's Christmas party. Not only is she eating the popcorn Melody's trying to string together while she's stringing it together. Uh, but she also spends the th- this entire scene just rolling her eyes at everything involving Christmas all of a sudden out of nowhere. Has anybody ever unironically strung up popcorn on a Christmas tree? Um, I, I've never done that in real life. Oh, we did. My parents did. Okay. Uh, all right. Prove, prove me wrong. Not every not every year, but uh, early on when I was uh, up until I was maybe nine or ten, we, we had popcorn on our tree. Yeah. Um, Brad immediately shoots down. Every part of this this Christmas party that nobody wants. No, nobody, nobody wants it. She's like, I don't like people who can't walk and I don't like birthday parties for people who could make them walk. And then she tells her tragic Christmas backstory, her Phoebe Cates. Okay. Tragic Christmas <laughs> Not quite what? Phoebe Cates levels, but yes. Christmas is it's such a hard day. It's so much harder than all the rest. Right. 
They put in this backstory about how her parents were always away traveling during the holidays, leaving her to spend Christmas with relatives and fruitcake. Her parents, by the way, he just bought her a flippity chippet horse. Right. And then she adds, don't get me started on that mistletoe thing. Yeah. Which I would have been on board with, except Melody excitedly adds it to her list. Like, ooh, I want mistletoe. No, no, you're skipping over a part where Melody's like, the mistletoe thing? And she's like, Brad goes, yeah, you know, like, whenever some strange guy comes over to, to you with mistletoe, you know what happens next. No, Brad, we don't. <laughs> hey, what kind of mistletoe parties are you going to? You're, what kind of uncles do you have? Oh, dear. Hey there, Bradley. Oh, hey, Uncle Billy here with a mistletoe. Give me a kiss. No uh, wonder she hates Christmas. Yeah, I would, too. Yes. I would, too. Uh, maybe it is Phoebe Casey and it's uh, maybe it is. macabreness. And right here to cut the tension, in walks Buddy with a Santa hat and a plan to make some bucks. Santa's desert sleigh rides, $2 each. Which they both immediately just all over, right? They do. Uh, well, at first I thought his sign says $200, but there's a decimal point there. But first I was like, how far are you taking them? Buddy, by the way, uh, the Jewish character, making a genuine effort to like. He is. Contribute, to contribute, to help. Yeah. To yep. raise money for for this really half-assed Christmas party that Melody is insistent everybody chips in to help throw. Right. It wasn't even a fundraiser. Yeah, no, it wasn't a fundraiser. As soon as he comes to them with an idea, like, hey, let's do this fun, semi-festive thing that ties into whatever you want to do. They go, that's stupid. Yeah. Well, it was despite the closest thing they had to a sleigh is a wagon and almost gets choked out by Brad at the prospect of maybe borrowing your horse. It's not even alluded to by Buddy. No, he mentioned that we were going to do that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What horses are you using to pull this? Well, we were thinking of borrowing charisma. Do you want to die? Do you want to die? But he ended up deciding against horses altogether in favor of reindeer in the form of Danny and Jake in fuzzy deer outfits. Once again, putting in way more effort than this party requires. Oh, yeah. It is the middle of the Arizonian summer, and these two are in full, like, Disney World reindeer costume attire. Oh, my goodness. Just sweating bullets, arguing over which one of them gets to wear a red clown nose. You could put a funnel on that and film a jackass skit with all the <laughs> And we never find out who gets to wear the red nose because they just chase each other out. Of the house while the girls just look at each other and giggle fruitcakes. Which, right? Like, the inference is, is is it that they're gay? Is that that used to be what fruitcakes meant, right? Oh, I thought they were implying that they were nuts. No, I think, okay, that could also have been it. But I heard it and went, oh, no. Those two. Yeah, I don't think they were. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I didn't even think of that. No, because fruitcakes are nutty. Yeah, there's a lot of regressive behavior in this episode. So after about 10 minutes, I was just on guard for anything. I was all right, much. locked in here. Yep. Uh, and next, we're back at Trot with Brad, Charisma, Bobby, and a picnic lunch complete with a generic soda can labeled Cola Big. <laughs> I loved Cola Big. <laughs> you know what that reminded me of? No. The Hanging Out Gang. When you oh, hell yeah. The beer can pop. <laughs> Sipping sipping pop cans with your best special needs buds at the horse ranch. (laughs) 
So for the unfamiliar, which is most people listening to this, in 2005, Justin and our friend John made the webcomic called The Hanging Out Gang. And I'm just going to put a link to that in the show notes and let it speak for itself. Yeah, they're four buds who just like hanging out. Yep. Um, that's all that. We, that's we, we should mention that we used to we used to write together for for Progressive Boink, right? We should. Yes. There. You, me, John, a couple of our friends and no one else, uh, which I think we can all summarize was just a website on the Internet. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even drink the cola big. It's just scenery. As Bobby asks Brad if he can feed the horse and Brad says she doesn't know her horse won't take treats from just anyone. And Bobby says, you're kidding. And Brad replies, you're right. I am kidding. And she playfully nudges Bobby's arm and he shouts "Ow!" in pain. And she quickly apologizes. But then Bobby gives her that same look again, like psych. Gotcha. <laughs> the, the fuller face again. She doesn't take great treats from just anyone, you know. You're kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Ow. <laughs> oh my gosh, did I hurt you? Are you okay, Bob? <laughs> That's good. Why you little? I I love the way Brad immediately pretends that she's formed like an intrinsic bond with this horse. He doesn't. This horse that I just got two days ago, um, Bobby. He doesn't take food from just anybody. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He's a horse. If you yeah. give it a if you give it an apple, it's gonna eat the goddamn apple. <laughs> right. Not you're not whispering, okay? Then Bobby even like calls her out. He's yeah, no, your horse is my friend when I give it food. You're kidding. I am kidding. And then she nudges him and he does the thing again. Playful scamp. She recoils in horror. Oh no. I would too. Yeah, I mean I also probably wouldn't nudge his arm. But. Yeah, I probably wouldn't hit the disabled kid in the arm because already two appendages don't work. So why would I? Sure. Here's where uh, Cindy from Trot says, uh, we only abuse our kids every other Saturday or however she puts it. And both Cindy and Bobby have a good laugh at this. Ah, ah, ah. (laughs) It's true. Um, And then, then, oh, it's are all of you comedians. Every single one of you. How (laughs) dare you joke about this? Right. But now Bobby says he's ready to ride, but he wants to ride Charisma, and Brad's hesitant at first. But after talking it over with Cindy, she decides to let him ride as she walks alongside. And we get a sweet moment here. Look, Bobby, you're a natural. Are you having fun? Yes, it's Charisma. She's having a blast. Brad. Yeah, Bobby. Brad, I have four good legs now. You sure do, Bobby. You sure do. Bobby would later grow up to become a brony. <laughs> and he was never seen again. Uh, the the horse is such a plot device to get from point A to point B. Brad gets a horse. She's protective about the horse. Meets the kid with CP. CP doesn't like horses. And then immediately, he just wants to ride her horse and no other horse. Nothing about this horse is special, by the way. It just looks like every other horse. Yeah. Just a plain old horse. Every horse I've ever seen in my life. Right. And neither Bobby nor the horse is ever seen again. Because it's party time! Complete with a decorated Christmas cactus, which I'm a fan. Yeah, um, when you told me it was a Hey Dude Christmas episode, the first thing I thought was, yeah, there's going to be a cactus as a tree for some reason. I don't don't know how we're going to get to Christmas, but that's going to be a focal point of it. I still don't know how we got to Christmas, but here we are. 
but I think I might like the Christmas cactus better than the Christmas palm tree, which I see quite a lot down here. Thematically, it makes sense. If, yes. Uh, if it were Hey Dude and it was Floridian surfers, it would have been a Christmas palm tree. Absolutely. Some stockings and lights hung by the bar or whatever in the background of the clubhouse. Yeah, they don't have a they don't have a fireplace because why would they? Because it's Arizona. Well, it gets cold in the at night, but it's summer, so it's not on. Uh, there's a table full of presents and snacks, but other than that, it's just a pretty normal looking gathering at the ranch clubhouse in July. Melody's really the only one remotely dressed up for the occasion, which fine. That's that's not true. No? Mr. Ernst is very dressed up for the occasion. Oh, that's right. That's right. He comes in later. But it's only those two. Everyone else, no one bothered to get dressed up for their own Christmas party. They didn't care. Because why would you bring Christmas attire to your summer job at the ranch in the Southwest? That's it. That's why they didn't have it. Buddy's the only one who had a Santa hat. Where'd he get that? Once again, um, the, 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 the one who doesn't practice the religion is making a genuine effort and all yeah all they do is give him crap for it they do right he's not wearing the santa hat here because i get well he got tired of getting crapped on but he does arrive with a tray of chips and a festive looking red and green dip that he put a lot of effort into Uh, it turns out to be a combination of sour chili and hot guacamole which might sound gross but i'd try it at least once I would 100% try it. Yeah. Brad has a has a landmark line in this scene, right? It is Brad or is it Melody? Where one of them, I don't know, they're the same character. <laughs> they're the same. Where one of them goes, uh, basically, uh, gag me with a spoon. I would never try anything with the word guac in it. Oh, that was Brad. Yep. <laughs> I think she says, no, it's against my religion oh, to try right. anything with guac in it. She says that to Buddy. <laughs> The Jewish boy making an effort to appease his Christian friends right in the middle of the summer in the American Southwest. Yes. None of this should be happening. But no, nope. hey, here's here's this. What is he like? 14? What do you? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. This 14 year old, like really, really trying, really putting his best foot forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, guac, apparently not in the cards in the early 90s. Apparently not. I don't know. I mean, that sounds like something you would see at a party now. It, if anything, it really just shows how time and place this is. Because there it is. If you brought that tray out now, yuppies would be losing their minds. <laughs> That's all they would talk about during it. It was. It, it's the hit of the Super Bowl party. I had to forego a second mortgage to buy these avocados. Ah. <laughs> hey, price of the pump. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of people dumping all over other people's traditions, Danny brings over some glasses of what looks like Hawaiian punch and proposes a festive toast that he says his father taught him. I'm going to stop you. He doesn't he doesn't bring them over. Somebody's walking by with them and he's like, hey, can I borrow those for a second? Oh, that's right. He's just like, uh, yoink. Hey, I'll can take I borrow these. those for a second? You, you clearly are bringing them to your friends, but right. no, we're the principal cast, so we get the. We get to have the drinks and you don't. Yes, That's you cannot borrow a drink. Um, hey, hey, go back to the background. Yes. Extra. <laughs> and Jake says, I didn't know Native Americans observed Christmas. And yeah, man, they've heard of it. 
In fact, a song believed to be the oldest North American Christmas carol was written in a native language. These aren't facts that the show brings up. By <laughs> no, the way. of course. Did your not. own independent research. So. I did my own independent research. Yeah. Uh, it, it's known in English as the Huron Carol. It was by a missionary who, in 1642, wrote it in the language of the Wyandot or Huron people of Ontario. So you come here to learn. You watch Hey Dude to have to watch poor Danny laugh off casual racial ignorance. Uh, But he says his father was open-minded when it came to any occasion that requires a large festive meal. And the toast is simply to good friends, good food, good night. Toast, well, my father usually dozed off after the first turkey. After the first turkey? Like I said, he was a major fan of big feasts. I'm thinking maybe Hey Dude might have been better if they wrote it in 15-minute segments, because this small talk is all bad. And it's, again, like, every zinger or one-liner or, like, any, any, any anything that could be construed as a joke is immediately eye-rolled by everybody else in the cast. Right. No one's having fun with this. Uh, They're smiling and making the best of it. And it looks like when they had reunions a few years ago, when a couple of people got back together, uh, including arguably, not arguably, obviously the the biggest star out of them, Christine Taylor, came back. Like, she came back for it. They were all having a good time remembering it. So at least the memory is good. Was no need for her to do that. Um, Wait. They they did a reunion. Special? They did a reunion for uh, like the 25th anniversary of it, and uh, and Danny didn't address whether he was dead or Danny didn't up. show up. Apparently, no oh, one hey. he kept he kept in touch with no one. So Danny, big time, the reunion special. Um, ben Stiller's wife yeah. out of her way to be at this thing, and Danny, right? Just, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Yep. Uh, but the small talk only gets dumber because Melody says she feels like she's in a movie like Miracle on 34th Street. What about this reminds you of Miracle on 34th Street? It's just like that movie. <laughs> they didn't even market Miracle on 34th Street as a Christmas movie. You wouldn't have known it if you would have saw just seen the movie poster. It's just uh, it's. Edmund Gwynn in his plain clothes outfit and uh, tiny baby Natalie Woods sitting with him. And then like the two love interests on either end of the poster. Imagine going to see a movie in the summer of 1947, only to find out three minutes in surprise. It's about Santa Claus and lawyers and lawyers. Even that reference, like for its time in 1990, as a kid, um, I, didn't have any fondness or affinity for Miracle on 34th Street and really wasn't familiar with it until the remake. Like, no, neither was I. It's like, what? This is four years before the remake of it. So we didn't even know it existed. No, it was. I I guess it existed. Yeah. Never played on TV that I know of. It's a Wonderful Life was the the classic Christmas movie. I knew I knew the framework of it. I didn't Of, of It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, It's a Wonderful Life. I thought we were still talking. Yeah, no, I knew the framework of It's a Wonderful Life because that's the movie they showed on TV. Not yeah, this. all the time. Yeah. I, I don't even know if there's like a Christmas movie she could have compared it to, though. No. So she just pulled one out of the hat and just ran with it. Yeah. Good job, writers. 
Uh, but speaking of Santa Claus, here is when Mr. Ertz walks in in a Santa suit and a big dorky red cowboy hat shouting, ha, ha, ha. Merry Christmas, everybody. Here comes Santa with goodies for one and all. Ha, <laughs> uh, Uncle Ben, I think the traditional Santa expression of merriment is more of a uh, ho, ho, ho. Oh. See, he's Jewish, and so he's not adept to the traditions of Christmas, which the cast members eagerly point out they do and brad reacts to that with i think it just turned into halloween part five that would be the revenge of michael myers to which again this bears no resemblance yeah what was the inference there i don't know i don't know why they picked that one or anyone there's not even anything to riff on here no just unstilted bad dialogue that doesn't make any sense no and then Mr. Ernst Pratt falls over the couch for a quick laugh, and that's the most Christmassy thing that happens at this whole party. He swings, he swings the the sack over his shoulder, which apparently has like the density of a dying star. <laughs> the propulsion and force generated from his from his weak swing is enough to send him careening across the room. He flips over this couch. He Shawn Michaels is his way over the curb. <laughs> yes. I, it is the <laughs> biggest oversell I have seen uh, in quite some time. Like you see his head like do the like Bob before he fall. That is the perfect example. Yeah. Right before they filmed, they told Mr. Ernst that he was going to have to put Hogan over. And <laughs> That's it. All right. Well, going to make the best of a bad situation, I guess. Yep. Santa sack gives him the old boot. So, Mike, then what happens? Then all the guests leave and the staff stick around later that night to exchange presents. And remember that framed photo Brad had of herself in her room? She got everyone else a copy of that same picture of herself. But she had the graciousness to offer the caveat that you don't have to keep my picture. No, but, but I'm starting to realize why my liar friend... When he told me his story about meeting the cast of Hey Dude, mostly focused his story on spending the day hanging out with Brad. Dude was sharing his impromptu fan fiction, I think. Oh, no, there's probably an archive somewhere. Oh, dear. <laughs> this was before the Internet, thankfully. But Hot summer nights at the Barn on Ranch. Oh, dear. Well, I know what I'm looking up after I'm done. Uh, The gift of framed Brad photos makes Jake take out a picture from his wallet of Buddy when he was a baby. Did you keep photos of your cousins in your wallet as a kid? I uh, how old? Okay, Um, so Buddy's like 14. Yeah. The principal cast are what, like 16, 17. Right. I didn't keep anything in my wallet when I was that age. I, I don't even know if I had a wallet, to be honest with you. I mean, I, t- I kept pictures of my family in my wallet when I got my first wallet because I'm a nerd. It came with that plastic picture holder. And I guess I thought, well, can't just leave this empty. Have to fill it with pictures. And the only pictures I had were ones of my immediate family, but not like cousins. But it's OK, Jake. Jake makes up for it immediately with a very thoughtful gift. He does. Uh, first, he opens his gift from Danny and Buddy, and it's a pair of very, very shredded jeans especially torn up around the butt, which he promises Brad he'll try on later if she's good. If she's good. If she's good. Have you been naughty, Brad? <laughs> oh. oh. Ooh, ooh. 
Uh, but Jake turns out to be the MVP of the gift exchange. He hands everyone a card with a star on it. And it turns out he had actual stars named after his friends. See, I, I didn't think he was the hero. This was very George Costanza-esque to me. Oh, it is. Absolutely. This is this is a very human fun move. <laughs> and again, because it's he didn't get them certified through NASA, did he? No, it was Massa, the Minneapolis Association of Star Assignment. When he said Massa and then said Minneapolis, I at first I thought of Mech. <laughs> I mean, oh wait, you mean the people who make number crunchers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but unlike Trot, Massa does not actually exist. But there are multiple websites now that you can register and name a star if that's your thing. Massa sounds like um, what late season simpsons would lazily use as as oh, as a parody for nasa it's mapple it's mapple right yeah it's my mapple my phone my mapple my phone oh dear that's exact yep that's it secure the rights to nasa <laughs> a public domain entity because it's a government branch despite nickelodeon's well-documented relationship with space camp, which I, I assume is related to NASA in some way, right? Yeah. They did it at the, uh, not the Johnson space center. The one in, uh, Alabama is where space camp is. But is that like a NASA adjacent program or just like a tiger King situation where they have a rocket ship in a barn and they're like, Hey kids come here. It's space camp. No, it's legit. Okay. Uh, my kid's school gives out a space camp scholarship every year. Do they have to sell a bunch of magazines to get it? Uh, they do have to raise money. Uh, they do a space night every year and it's a hit and it's all just activities like we're going to decorate a cookie that looks like a galaxy. It's fun. Did you, did you ever, um, genuinely sell did, when you got the, the thing with the list of prizes for selling the most magazines? Oh, I, I was in Cub Scouts for like two years before I got tired of it. And we had to do that out of the stupid showcase box the box looked cooler than the actual stuff inside what was the top prize though for you um i don't know like a bike it was always a super nintendo for me oh see i stopped before nintendo i even knew what a nintendo was oh wow yeah so i i kept the faith late in the game Okay. okay well done so he bought he bought them all stars he did uh cool and finally, Melody gives Brad that blue cowgirl hat from the beginning. And the soft, sentimental, let's have a talk with Uncle Danny music plays. Like, wow, what a thoughtful gift. Okay, she's really touched. And I'm like, you never really liked that hat, did you? You're regifting your hat. Again, it's just used as a flimsy plot device to get us to the finale, right? Yeah. Because speaking of regifting, we cut to the following morning where Melody's looking for Brad and Mr. Ernst tells her she went to regift Charisma, her horse, to Trot. She donated her horse. Which, uh, if we're being fair, is a pro gamer move. Good for her. It is. Um, yeah. But so she's already disclosed that she had inattentive, unloving parents mm-hmm. who buy her affection. With a horse. Yeah, there's the the horse, right? Because they leave her alone on Christmas with her aunt and potentially molesty uncles. They're not going to be happy. They're not going to be happy. No, they- as soon as you get so, how's your horse? Oh, I gave it to a uh, ranch for sick for disabled kids. What? You did what? 
Oh, mercy. Heaven's name. How dare you? I assume she's from Connecticut. Um, Michigan, actually. Michigan, okay. Old money on the lake. But yeah, they're they're not going to be thrilled. They're not going to be thrilled. Nope. Uh, But the way Mr. Ernst phrases it at first is charisma doesn't live here anymore. So Melody's like, oh, no, did the horse die? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, I can see how that would be misleading. Uh, Let me rephrase that. We had to send charisma to another farm. Oh, no. Uh, but apparently he tells Melody he thinks Brad was inspired by the gift Melody gave her. You know, the hat. Which which is worn to cotillions and fets, by the way. Oh, that's right. Yes, fets. That was like the first small talk thing they had at the beginning of the episode, and we skipped right over the fets. Oops. I also didn't watch The Mandalorian. <laughs> the hat made her donate a horse. And volunteer time. She's committed now. And then Mr. Ernst also, uh, after revealing the disappearance of the horse, um, goes, and oh, by the way, you're probably not going to see Brad again. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, the day is lounging around the pool. Um, you know, she's just, she's just gone. Her spirit's still with us. but They're uh, over. She, she won't be here. And Melody's like, oh, no, what happened? Oh, she's at the other ranch. Oh. <laughs> and that's just, oh. And he he leaves us with this little chunk of wisdom. Giving is never entirely an unselfish act. Well, what do you mean? You always get something in return. (laughs) And and we end with a rare instance of different end credits music. Sorry, pals, no wolf howling this time. It's softer synth music, like someone set their Casio keyboard to Ocarina. Demo, Demo Real One. Demo Real One. Yeah, it really is, except it's the Hey Dude theme. But that'll do it for this very special episode of Hey Dude that had Christmas looking things in it for a hot second. For for about three minutes of runtime. Yep. Uh, but it counts. And thank you, Justin, for trotting through this with me. We made it. We, we made did. it to the end. Yep. <laughs> what a journey. Any final thoughts? Um, My final thought is I want to recompartmentalize this entire show. Oh, yeah. Into the portion of my brain that didn't remember it in the first place. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's okay. (laughs) And it can go right back there. Uh, But if you still want to watch this for some reason, it's not difficult to find online. I found it on YouTube, but it's also uh, on Paramount Plus or Amazon Prime Video. If you want to watch a good copy of it, it is season four, episode two. There were there were four seasons of Hey Dude. There were five seasons oh of Hey God. Dude, and they all went rapid fire one after another because it was one of those things that they'd show every weekday, I think. So, yeah, and then marathon them on Saturdays. So right. Turn your TV. It, you, yep. It's a show you would watch just because you wanted to watch TV. Yeah, pretty much. Like the last original episode aired two years after the first original episode. So they cranked them out. They got the 65 episode they needed to uh, syndicate. syndicate, uh, And then I don't think they ever syndicated it. And then they got out of Dodge. Yup. But this was fun. Thank you again, Justin. Thanks, Mike. Uh, And if people want to pay you $2 to drag them around the desert in a wagon while wearing a rain costume in the middle of the summer, where can they find you on the internet? JM underscore O'Connor on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter on Advent 
at Advent Cal House or Fall West Mike. And as usual, you can find those links and other show notes in whatever app you're listening to this on, probably. But if not, they're at adventcalendar.house. Next episode's an Easter special. That gets rolling in just a couple of days. Until then, for Justin O'Connor, live from the back of my perfectly well-behaved horse who doesn't care at all who's riding her, this is Mike Westfall saying, better watch out for that icy patch and that killer cacti. Hey, dude. Good night, dude. And now, these messages. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Greetings, holiday shoppers. I'm Joseph Wade, and I host a podcast called Christmas Creeps. My band of merry mischief makers and I dissect holiday movies and specials all year round in search of the true meaning of Christmas. So whether you can't resist the urge to watch Home Alone in June, or you worship at the altar of mutant killer snowmen, Christmas Creeps is the podcast for the Grinch in all of us. Check us out at christmascreeps.com or wherever you download podcasts. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. Sure as oaks make acorns and Easter eggs have yours. And animals more than animal life. An animal can be both.